Well, everyone, I'm here today with J. Allen Tucker. He's the author of Silas Sterling and the Lucas County Curse. It was just published in February of 2021. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So what does it feel like to have your book out in the world and for everyone to read? Is that nerve wracking or what does that feel like? It's a little scary, I guess. Um, I mean, so most of the people at this point, honestly, are, are friends and family who've read it that I'm aware of, at least. I know some people have checked it out on Kindle Unlimited and things like that. And, and I don't obviously know who every single person who that who's ordered things. But I've gotten a lot of feedback from, you know, like my mom, my aunts, uh, friends from high school, things like that. Um, and so that's been nice. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure there will be bad things at some point because that's part of putting yourself out there in the world, you know, some sort of negative responses and things. But it'll be OK. Yeah. How, how do you deal with negative responses, whether it's coming from a stranger on the Internet or, or a family member, even if it's constructive criticism? Is that does that sometimes get difficult to to swallow? I mean, it depends, I guess, on, on what the circumstance is. Like, if it's just some random person, it doesn't bother me as much. I mean, if it was someone closer to me, it would it would it would bother me a little more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. So for for people who aren't familiar with the book, how would you describe it to them? Um, I, I kind of say uh, I don't know if I ever put this on Twitter specifically, because usually Twitter's so short on like Facebook or some other places. I've described it as sort of a. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets Hardy Boys meets Stranger Things. Something like that. I mean, it's as far as a generic, it's none of those things. It's, it's kind of bits and pieces of things like those things. Um, overall, I'd say it's like a young adult mystery with a touch of supernatural elements. I, I'd agree with that. I think that's pretty close. And it's it's uh, Stranger Things if it was in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. In the 90s. Because I'm definitely a 90s kid. Uh, yeah. So the book was like a nostalgia bomb. Nice. I mean, I, when I stopped, when I would take breaks between reading, I really had to stop and wonder what year it was because there's so many details <laughs> from the '90s in it, and I wondered, did you even, uh, you know, there's even I'm not gonna no spoilers, but there's sure. a couple of mentions in uh, in the book about track lists and time between tracks on certain CDs that characters are listening to. Yeah. I actually went back and was checking uh, track times to see if if you had looked into that. Did you do a lot of research? On... I, I did. Yeah. Like, well, as much as I could, um, like, you know, spoilers, but like one of the characters in particular, it's a Monday night and they're at home. They see part of the news. They uh, and one of the things on the news is a, a certain person has died. It was Vincent Price had died. And so that date that I picked for the story, I looked to see significant people who had passed away and. And like I describe an episode of The Fresh Prince, and that's the episode that aired that night. Wow. Um, things like that. At one point, I mentioned one of the moms is watching Oprah. So I was yeah. able some, I, it was kind of hard, but I actually found what the Oprah episode was about on that date. <laughs> that one that wow. one took a little more effort. Um, just just kind of silly things. Just to, like I tried to make it grounded in what was actually going on. Like I, I made sure that the, the video games were released, the albums that were actually released to the public, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, even, know, even, some, yeah. Even some of the jokes in it, there was a page I, I had marked um, about, um, have you and your friend Daniel got into grandpa's old cough medicine? <laughs> oh yeah. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. got a good, I got a big kick out of that one. 
so speaking of a Dumb and Dumber, uh, I'm working on the second book right now. And uh, that, that first book takes place in October, Halloween, basically, of 93. The second book is going to take place at Christmas break, 94. And mm -hmm. so the literally the opening chapter of the story is several of the friends are going to see Dumb and Dumber on opening night. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, I don't know. It just, it just happened to be the thing that I was thinking of Christmas 94. And I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So how is the sequel coming along? Are you making pretty good progress on it? I'm, I think I'm almost 8,000 words into it, which isn't like a huge number, but you know, a decent chunk of things. I mean, the action hasn't really gotten going yet. It's still more of the, you know, here, what is somewhat of the aftermath of the first book. Um, again, not, not to spoil anything, but just things happen. And, you know, there's different ways those things could progress into the next story. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day and to some degree it's uh it's the fifth harry potter book in my mind almost mm. um just because no one believed uh, that voldemort was back you know after after he came back and killed cedric and so that's kind not not that i'm trying to rip off harry potter but as i've written about eight thousand words i'm like yeah i've turned this into to that next harry potter book when everyone believed harry <laughs> So do you have the sequel planned or does it just evolve uh, on its own? A little of both. Uh, okay. I've got ideas for book two, but not all the specifics, definitely not all the specifics. And I've got ideas for book three, like a, a really pretty good idea for book three. Oh, wow. um, and then I have a notion of book four. Cause I mean, basically um, in my head, I'm just like picking out like different things that would happen. Like I said, the boys, we're in juniors in high school in this first book. They're in the middle of their senior year in the second book. And in the third book, I'm thinking they would go on a summer vacation after graduation, basically. Um, not that that gives away any real plot spoilers or anything, but that's kind of the progression. And I would assume if it goes past the third book, they would, you know, one or more of them would be in some college type situation or I don't know. It, it, I don't have as much of a, a, a notion of what would be past the third book, really, but definitely something, I suppose, if I wanted it to be. Because <laughs> really a, uh, a movie or, you know, a story like a teenage, teenage a group of teenagers over summer vacation is pretty, pretty 90s. I would say there's a lot of great yeah. movies from so that would fit into the, you know, sort of fit into the, yeah, fit into it. Pretty good. Uh, when did you start working on, on the first book? Did you start uh, a long time ago or? A little bit. Um, I wrote most of it. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to get this number straight in my head. I think it was a summer of 2017. Mm. I, I think I wrote probably 65, 70% of the book. Um, and I got stuck. Uh, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly what chapter it was. I could go back and figure it out, but I just wasn't sure how to get to the end. I knew vaguely what I want the end, ending to be, but I wasn't sure what the next step was. Um, I think, I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd stopped, basically stopped working on it because I couldn't figure out what to do next. And occasionally I would go back, I'd reread it. I'd edit a few things. I'd, I'd try to come up with something. I just never could really come up with anything. And then finally, I think it was September of last year. So September, 2020, I really got back in there and actually had some ideas of, okay, this is the next step. And once I figured out the next step, I. I went on to the end of the book. 
but it was just figuring out that next step was, was the hard part for me. Um, and I guess that's the point where a lot of people don't finish and don't publish things. You know, I'm sure there's thousands, if not millions of people that have half a novel or comic book or whatever they've worked on and, you know, just sitting there on their computer that they never, never finished. Do you have any books that you started and, and just never finished for whatever reason? <laughs> oh yeah. I started one in college. Um, and like, I think around the year 1999 or 2000, um, that I'd written at this point, not very much, like looking at back at that time, I thought it was a lot. Um, but now it's not much at all, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one, it was funny though. I, I think I had a good idea and I think had I actually written that book, it could have been something. Um, it was my, my, they've even made a movie with the title that I was working on then. And not that it matters now, but I was working on a book I'd called Labor Day. And, oh, okay. um, and it was going to be a killer who only kills people on Labor Day. So kind of like a Friday the 13th, but just once a year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and like I had this tagline of everybody else takes the day off, but not the killer or something, something stupid. But the, the whole point of that book was going to be, had I finished it, a, a, like a multiple personality thing, which has been done to death now. But then, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think I'd really seen that too much like Fight Club had come out. So I guess that, that might've been uh, part of that or something. But apart from that, there wasn't a lot of stories like that, but there's been tons of stories like that with all sorts of different movies and books since then. So that one, that, I think that ship sailed, so to speak. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think I could do it better than the, the ones I've seen and read. So, but there's so, other ones. I there was, there was one I started like nine years ago that I picked back up after, uh, um, the finished Silas Sterling Lucas County Curse, and I, I basically took what I had as kind of a outline, and just started over, really from the mm -hmm. beginning. And uh, I think I'm about eleven thousand words into that story, um, and that one that's a futuristic kind of dystopian, most of the world's dead kind of book. Um, but it but it would still be a this still be a young adult though. It, I mean it's. It's in the same, it's not the same vein as like a Silas Sterling because of the world is destroyed, but um, it, it'd still be like a young adult, like nothing too gory or too crazy. Are most things, are, are most things that you write kind of young adults, not, nothing too, too far out of bounds? Is that kind of your, yeah. your style? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just what I would, I don't know. Like, I know my mom's going to read it, so I don't want anything too, too <laughs> weird to be in it, um, <laughs> mostly. And so, like, my mom's read my book um, a few times. I know at least twice, and she she she's told me she really liked it. But um, she she's the person I got a lot of my love for the nerdy things in life from. Like, she was a uh, when she was growing up, she was a big Star Trek fan. Like when it was first on, and so like we you know we always saw those type of things. She would take us to see Star Wars, and you know all the you know she she likes that type of stuff, like just like I do. So she's she's she was like an old school. Um, fangirl i guess before fangirls were cool before they were a thing yeah yeah so are there any characters in the book that you modeled after people you knew or know yes um okay. but not there's no one that's like 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 a copy of anyone um like silas's friends daniel and jonathan are definitely inspired by a couple of my friends from from school but but it's like a loose thing so basically so i'd have a picture in my head more than anything um, it's not like any specific detail, um, particularly, um, and like one of the characters, I mean, one of the characters I named after a friend of mine, who's a school counselor 
And so when I wanted to mention the school counselor, I'm like, well, Miss Mrs. Canister is the school canister, the school counselor. Um, and she she read the book and she's like, oh, I, I had 15 minutes of fame there or whatever. So, oh, um, but yeah, yes, but and no, I mean, but I guess that would probably be true for most authors. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how everybody else does it, but but a little a little of modeling after some people. The friends, when reading it, the friends felt like real people. When I read it, they right. felt like, you know, they felt like someone, they felt like they were real, like there was someone that you had in mind when you wrote it. That's why I was wanting to pick your brain about that one. Well, I was trying to, I mean, it's been a while, but I was trying to picture, you know, what I would do if I, if it was Saturday morning and I, and my two friends showed up at my house or what, you know, what, what would we do? We play, we play video games or we'd go to the mall or we, you know, something. So I was, that's a lot of it, just trying to like, you know, what would I do? And especially as I was going through the week and, and cause the whole, whole story does take place over that one week. Um, I was definitely trying to pull, okay, this would happen, that would happen. And one of the things I, I try to do in that first book and I'm trying to do in the second book, the stuff happens at least from the surface level by accident. Like there's nothing planned. Like these, the, 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 the boys stumble into this thing that happens. It was it, not at all what they would were trying to find or looking for. It found them, um, so I, th I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, did you do any research for? Because I I wondered, reading the book, if you researched any real crimes or any real like folk stories or, um, you know, like every every place has their own sure. stories. You know, the creepy house in the neighborhood or whatever. Was there anything that you took inspiration from, or any cases that you researched to kind of take from and include in the book? Mm -hmm. I mean, not specifically. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I like Lore with Aaron Mankey. Um, mm -hmm. So I've definitely heard hundreds of, of stories like that. Um, and I, I listen to some other podcasts similar to that, but but nothing, nothing specific. Now, I would say, at least partially, um, the early on in the book, now, again, I don't think this is much of a spoiler. Early on in the book, there, it talks about in 1986, a girl went missing, and it was a big media circus in this small little town. Um, after I left my hometown, like years ago, like 20, 20 some odd years ago, I don't I honestly remember exactly when this happened. One of the local teachers disappeared and there was a big media thing. And that was the first time that it was out of I know that my hometown was ever on TV and you had never heard of it because no one would, would, would have heard of it otherwise. Um, and so that, in a slight little tiny way that was kind of inspired some of that, um, all the people pressing in on the little town and the sheriff and things. Yeah, there was a line. There was another part that I had marked in the book um, that I thought was interesting. Speaking of of crimes, but um, the the disappearance shocked the town, and it was obvious to everyone in Lucasville that Tracy had never gotten over the disappearance and the death. Most agreed that she needed help, but no one seemed to offer any real assistance. And that that seems real, just in general, with situations like that. I think people um, that kind of struck me as that's usually what happens is everyone's kind of apprehensive or afraid to offer yeah. help, even though they need, someone needs it. So that, that paragraph I thought was, uh, you know, it kind of, kind of got to me. You could feel the, the awkward tension or the, you know, everyone yeah. feels like they should do something, but no one, no one does anything. Right. And like, she had become like the biggest outcast because of what happened to her. And it wasn't her fault that her sister disappeared. Um, but obviously she was suffering from, stress or post-traumatic something um that you know caused her to break down um so but yeah i mean i don't 
I mean, if you if you read the story, I don't think her um, her family was much help um, with right. that um, particular thing. So that definitely doesn't doesn't help. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so obviously, the '90s were a big inspiration for you know uh, from the for the story because you based it in the '90s and and you spent time uh, making sure that it's it was of the time. Uh, what was you, what do you miss most about that time period? What what kind of media did you enjoy the most from the nineties? I don't know. One thing about the the nineties, I mean, it was it was better than the eighties in a lot of ways. I mean, we had all the eighties stuff that I mean, like I grew up with the eighties stuff, and I still like the eighties stuff. So I was still watching Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. But yeah. by then, I you know, I, we, our family had a copy of those, and I could watch those anytime I wanted. So that, I mean, that's a, a bonus because most of the eighties, I didn't have that luxury. Um, I mean, most of the stuff, as far as the media goes, I mean, with like Apple Music, I can listen to just about any song I want to. Not every song, but just about any song. Um, and then like the, the video games and stuff, like the Nintendo Switch has a, the Nintendo Switch Online. You can play most of those old Super Nintendo, go, uh, Super Nintendo games on there. Not all of them, but like 40 or 50 of them um, anytime you want. So that's pretty cool, but... I don't know. It was definitely definitely a different time as far as media. Like I don't think young people now know what a CD is. Almost. <laughs> like I, I'm thinking, uh, I've, I've bought a few of these, and I was thinking maybe doing a uh, a giveaway at some point, like a little prize pack. Um, and I've got a couple of them on the shelf back there somewhere. Like I'd bought a Pearl Jam CD. I bought a Spin Doctor CD, and they're they're unopened. I'd ordered them off of Amazon. And I was like, oh, I could give these away. But I'm like, well, does anybody actually want a CD anymore? <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, I, I still buy them. I, I go to the local uh, little local record shop. Oh, nice. But, yeah. I, I like I like having an, having something in your hand. It's kind of yes. nice. Yeah, like I have uh, quite a few Blu-rays and DVDs and things behind me. I, I don't like how we are moving more and more to that digital space where we don't own anything and we don't really have a copy of it um, just because they can take it away or they can edit it. They can, I, I'd rather have the copy back there. Yeah, I agree. And, and you mentioned the the 90s being better than the 80s. And I don't know if you agree here, but I think a big plus in the 90s column over the 80s is the lack of hair metal. <laughs> I like I liked the hair metal when I was, oh, when I was a 10, 11 year old. My uh, older brother was nine years older than me. And so, you know, he was listening to the Motley Crue and the Rad and the Van Halen and Bon Jovi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Poison. And so I was, I was a fan of those things just because he had them. You know, he'd have, you know, when I was a little younger, he had the albums and I was a little older, he had the cassettes. And, and yeah. stuff, so. Yeah, he was you asked. Yes. Oh, like, he was. Like, randomly, he was a big fan of Kiss when he was, when he was like 10 or 11. Um, and so that was one of those things when I was early, some of my first words were kiss related because he was, wow. when I was like a, I don't know, one year old, whenever you start talking, he was trying to get me to say like ACE kiss. <laughs> things like really? that. Yeah. <laughs> just random. Do you, do you find inspiration from any types of media in, while you write? You oh yeah. I, definitely. I like, there's a couple of soundtracks I like to listen to. Um, I'm a big fan of the Thor Ragnarok. Um, soundtrack. I like the Thor the Dark World is the one I listen to a whole bunch. Um, here recently I've been listening to the Spider-Man Far From Home soundtrack, someone I write. Uh, I, like to, I like to have something going, especially if I want to do something uh, 
that's not just mundane because some of the stuff's kind of mundane in the book i mean honestly a lot of the nostalgia stuff is oh like silas is in his bedroom look there's a comic book oh there's a thing some of that could be a little boring if you don't like those things uh, but if there's something more action-oriented happening I, I like to have the music you know kind of blaring in my ears yeah yeah there seems to be a desire in the last few years by at least a, a decent amount of people to to kind of get the retro stuff and to to play the super nintendo games and to oh, yeah. you know people buying cassettes uh what do you think that stems from is that just um people want to relive those memories or is there something yeah. more genuine about that time I don't know. I think most of it, it's it's one of two things, probably. Either it's just this nostalgia, because people look back to when life was simple, and they didn't have responsibilities or bills or whatever. And it's like, oh, my life was so easy when I played with the Transformers or G.I. Joe or whatever. Um, and so, but the other part of that, I think people have that, like, you know, kind of the hipster thing, like, well, I'm going to do all the retro stuff because it's it's cool again. I, I don't know, like, stuff's, like, the old stuff's expensive now. Like, like you, yeah. I mean, before you could get a VHS tape of Back to the Future for like 50 cents or a dollar. Now it'd probably cost you, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks on eBay. I wouldn't be surprised um, just because people are looking for those things more. Like you said, like cassettes, record, records prices have gone up dramatically yeah. uh, from a few years ago. Nobody wanted them like 15, 20 years ago. They were giving them away just about, and now they're, they're expensive. So, you know, there's cycles, I guess. Yeah, there were, there were Frisbees a few years ago. Yeah. Well, like even like during the 90s, when I had the Super Nintendo, at that time, I was like, well, I don't need my old Nintendo anymore. I've got something better. So I like sold it. Um, whereas, you know, now I've went out and got another one just because I wanted to have one again. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I would. I was uh, reading the book. I was wondering, are there challenges writing a story with that unravels? It's. I don't know if you could call it a mystery thriller, but it, the story unravels as you as you go. Where what are the challenges in writing a story like that to not to not give too much away and to kind of hold back? Is that what are do you have any tricks that you use or? Well, one thing I really figured out um, at the end, like I'd I'd gotten on, on, well, you can kind of see them. up here behind me on the shelf. There's a shelf full of the books mm. at the top, um, and there's like a whole half the shelf is full of like proof copies. Um, I ordered. I want to say three round of proof copies because because it was easier for me to see the mistakes in in paper with the you know mark them out make a note versus always doing it on the computer and um, so I ordered the first round I let my my wife was starting to read it I'd given it to one of my friends locally um, and I found a whole bunch of things I'm like okay y'all need to stop because I'm gonna have to fix some stuff <laughs> and so that's when the second round came out because I at one point I called I could, well the, there's lots of little things so I changed the names of characters quite several times like silas is something i came up with very late into the book i was probably almost finished when i came up with silas sterling um, for the longest time his name was ryan sterling and before that i don't remember exactly what it was um but it was ryan for a whole bunch of the time and his friend daniel for a long time was michael and so at one point near the end of the book it was like this pivotal moment and he's like and michael said blah 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 i'm like oh Oops, <laughs> I had to fix that. <laughs> um, and there was a couple other little things, just because it, like, especially having that break, there was a kind of a big break. And so I had described how a certain character died early on, just briefly. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to, to where I was at later, I had changed that. And I didn't realize that I hadn't corrected the earlier version until I saw it in print. I was like, oh, okay, no, okay, you got to change that. Um, 
So, yeah, so there were issues in trying to make sure everything flowed together and all the things make that make sense. There was one thing in there I think is, I think it throws people off the track if they notice it. It's one sentence. Um, it's about a character's brother. And it's it's the family situation is addressed later on, so it actually makes sense. But at that time, it it wouldn't make it doesn't matter at the time. You wouldn't know that it makes it makes any any sense or not any sense at that moment. Um, but I, anyway, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> we we can have a but something that small, like so and so and so and so, blah blah blah, could throw things off theoretically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we'll, we can have a spoiler spoiler oh. section at the end. That way, people aren't aren't uh, aren't spoiled from the story. Uh, were there any characters that didn't make the cut that you had in mind originally, and they just you decided to to pull them? Well, overall, I didn't include a lot of characters really i mean there's a few background characters or some like bullies there's a couple of classmates that are mentioned once or twice i mean because there's there's literally would be hundreds of people running roaming around the high school you know people at the hospital I mean, there's different little settings um but i i, I didn't really want to my wife's reading or listening to a book right now and it's from an author we both really like uh, but it, this one, uh, this particular book is set in space, and so everybody has weird names, and there's just dozens and dozens of characters, and so she she can't keep track of who's who. And I'm like, man, I kind of I kind of understand that because the other books we we liked by the same author have been, I don't know, six or eight main people with a few um, people around the periphery, uh, but not like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. So. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anyone who missed the cut, but there are definitely people who could be fleshed out more or like for, for one, one character in particular, we can talk about a little later, but um, we don't know much of anything about at all, really. So there, there's definitely more that can, can be expounded upon. And then my, I don't, I don't know, like, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I don't know. just, There's, I don't know, there's definitely more more characters that could come in. And, and there are new characters coming in for the second book, at least early early on, even in the first 8,000 words, there's a, there's a few new characters. Um, but anyway, anyway, we can go to the next thing, I guess. <laughs> I think the, the amount of characters in the book gave you more of that smaller town feeling. So it, to idea. me, it made sense that there wasn't a ton of characters in it. Yeah. And I think as, as you, when you're younger, I think you have more of a tunnel vision. And you don't really see the you know everything else that's going on in the world, so that's true. It kind of made sense to me. Yeah, I think I described the town at some point. It has like four thousand people, and it. it's very small, mm-hmm. um, very very small. <laughs> oh, just it, just yeah. fun fact about Lucas County, Lucasville. It's named after George Lucas, by the way. Oh, okay. Just, right. There's definitely a few Star Wars references um, in there. Couple, couple. Uh, I mean, one, one in particular. I, I, I really like the Timothy's on Thrawn books. Those are some of my favorite Star Wars media um, that has been out there ever. Um, so I, I remember there's one point mentioning that. Um, hmm. Anyway, I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I didn't catch the Lucas reference there. I should have caught that. Well, it's it's kind of it's not it's not like straightforward i guess i mean there is actually after i named it that i did find out there is a lucas county and a lucasville in ohio mm. um so no hopefully no one will be mad that i wrote a 
a book about a curse in Lucasville, even though it's a different state and whatnot. But <laughs> I don't. Hopefully not. I, I do think this is funny. Like I, uh, I, I mentioned all the you know products and restaurants and companies and video games and all those things, but all the towns are made up. Hmm. Like the the settings are made up, but the things in the settings are real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like the, like the Val Mesa. I have this town, Val Mesa, that's mentioned a few times. That's made up. And then Lucasville's made up. Um, I've made up another town called Trenton for the second book. Um, Trenton. There's a New Jersey. There's a Trenton, New Jersey. But that's, I think that's the only one I found in the U.S. Because mm. um, I do try to look at those things when I'm coming up with different names. Yeah. Does that get exhausting, uh, researching different names and, and making sure that it's, uh, you know, nothing nothing terrible happened in some, some town somewhere? That, That's a good point. You know. uh, it's, I think more about it with the characters, like with Silas. Like, um, Silas, spell, like I, I spelled it funny, because normally Silas would be spelled with an I, not a Y. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that just to make it different, um, just because I didn't want... I didn't want a name that you could just Google on, or, or Facebook or whatever, and there's 15 of them. I wanted to try to find something unique that wasn't out there, and I couldn't find any anything for that on like Google or or wherever. And there wasn't a at Silas Sterling on Twitter, and so that sort of thing. So I I, I have at Silas Sterling on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't know if I went any further than that on other social media, but yeah. So try to be. Right, and so like for the character, the main character in the uh, dystopian one, I'm like a fifth of the way through or whatever, I, I came up with something that I couldn't find anywhere else. Now the this ancillary people, I haven't, I didn't really think that was as important, but the the main person I wanted to like Harry Potter, just as an example. There are lots of people in the world named Harry Potter. That's not that uncommon, um, and so I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't want my main character of my book series to be a common name. Yeah. And the same thing with the author name. Like I chose my specific version of my name because of the things on Amazon. There's some mm. not so nice things under what other names I might have chosen on Amazon. Um, so that that was one of the reasons. Because I, I, I wanted to go with J.A. Tucker and, I, and then there were some things on there and I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to go with a different one and I didn't. I mean, anyway, I, I chose the name I chose I mean, it's still my name, but I chose that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. You got to be careful. Yeah. But how much do reviews help with getting the book out there? And I know it's still it's still fresh, but do reviews help and just word of mouth or what? What's I the mean, mo what can how can we help uh, independent authors get their their books out there and, and help spread the word? What's the best way you would think? I mean, I think. For, for me personally, I think Amazon reviews help a lot um, just because people can see that other people have actually bought the thing and have actually read it. Um, I think for a lot of people, Goodreads is another way. Like I'm, I haven't really been active on Goodreads. I've had a personal Goodreads account like years ago that's attached to my Kindle and stuff. So I made a new one for my author author page, um, but I haven't, I haven't really got very active on there just because, I mean, you only have so much time and today you can't do everything. Um, but I mean, I guess theoretically, though, those would be a, two good ways for people to do like a review. Speaking of your, your, because I know you have a, a day job and you have, you know, all the responsibilities. How, how difficult is it 
managing your time to write and to edit and to develop new ideas and still work and family time and other hobbies. Uh, what, what are some challenges with, with that? Like, I think a lot of writers probably have, you know, some schedule where they wake up at 5 a.m. You know, I mean, I see that on, on Twitter, like the 5 a.m. Writers Club or something like that. Hmm. And so people get up really early and maybe write for an hour or two before they have to go to work or, or whatever. I'm not an early riser. That's not ever going to be me, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I get up when I have to, but I don't get up earlier than I have to um, as far as that goes. But I don't, I don't have a set schedule. I think I would probably benefit from a set schedule. It's just, I, it's hard in my line of work, as, as we've talked about, you know, off camera a little bit, like I get these support calls over lack of a better term, like IT kind of things. And so it's hard to schedule things. It's hard to, it's hard to do a lot of things. I mean, I have, I have tons of free time, but then I also feel like I don't because at any moment, whatever I'm doing can be interrupted, whether if I'm making a YouTube video or writing or going to dinner with my wife or whatever, like someone can call and they have an emergency, everything's on fire or whatever. I mean, not literally yeah. on fire, but you know, it's all falling apart. Save us. Kind of, kind of yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I basically write when I have time and when I have ideas, it's, it's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, like yesterday I wrote a little bit, it wasn't a lot. But while I was driving around, I, I came up with some ideas of, of what would happen next, just thinking about the scene, the scene that I had set. Mm -hmm. um, just, I mean, it doesn't have spoiler or whatever, but the Dan, Daniel, Jonathan, and Silas, well, I guess that is a spoiler. Anyway, the friends <laughs> are... I'll, I'll mark it, you know, I'll mark it on the yeah. video so we can, people can avoid it. Um, some of the, Silas and his friends go to Sam Goody's, and so they're looking through CDs, and then so... And then they're in a different town. And so I'm like, okay, this would be a good opportunity for some of these other characters from the first movie or the first book to show back up and, you know, antagonize them, yeah. basically. Um, so I'm thinking, I haven't written it yet, but like uh, Jason and Mickey are going to show up and, and mess with them at the same goodies, um, just as an example. But I, I was thinking of that interaction while I was driving around. I was like, okay, I've got a little like a little, uh, not necessarily a one-liner, but like something that one of that Jason or Mickey could say to him to like pick on him, basically, something like that. Do you write those ideas down somewhere or do you type them in your phone or? I, I do, I do put a lot of things in notes on my phone. Like before I started writing this second book, I, I have like a little note of just like little things I, I kind of jotted down uh, with some ideas. So, yeah. But now, like this particular thing we're talking about right now, I haven't I haven't written it down. Oh, okay. It was yesterday, and I'm still it's still fresh in my mind of what I want to to add next. Yeah. You know, speaking of support calls, it, they always seem to come in when you're sitting down for dinner with your wife, or you know, <laughs> when you have something special planned, and you just sit down, and the food comes, and your phone rings, and you know it's bad automatically. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna ask you for some brutal honesty here, but. Okay. Have you ever gotten out of a social situation and used a, a support call as an excuse? I mean, a little bit. Um, well, like Alaska, I mean, like, Alaska's down, I have to go, or something like that. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember, I, I don't remember specifically what we were doing. We were one of our local coffee shops hosts events quite regularly, or they, they, they were pre COVID. I mean, they still do stuff, but it's not the same. Um, and I, I remember what was going on, but I was happy to have a call at that time. It's okay. I got to go. I got to go get to the car and yeah. So. 
Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I guess. Yeah, they they kind of, I've used them a couple of times in the past. Just you know, really awkward situations you want to get out of, and that's they can come in handy every once in a great while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit it, I've done it. Yeah. Um, when you were writing, the some of the and I'll try to avoid spoilers, but there were some scenes in the book where the teenagers feel like everyone's against them, mm -hmm. and I wondered if that was just teenage angst or if that was something else going on. Was that something you considered while writing the book? Honestly, I kind of feel like a huge chunk of the town is in on this thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what, what, now we know that, but but pre uh, before I knew what was really happening, it, I wondered if it was just their imagination that they thought everyone was against them, or if or if it's really happening. Uh, I mean, they are kind of the outcast. I mean, a little bit. Uh, being that it wasn't cool to be the nerd or the geek or whatever in 1993 like it is now like you know the geeks are cool in 2021 you know marvel and dc rule the box office or whatever but but back in those days it, it wasn't the, the nice thing so uh, i mean it's part of that i guess um so the, even if they i mean they were i mean they weren't like total rejects i guess as far as the school goes but they definitely weren't as high on the hierarchy than as others i mean i even talk about that a little bit in the book it's a small school a small town everybody knows each other but yeah um they're definitely lower on the totem pole or whatever the terminology you want to use yeah um, yeah uh you recently launched your own youtube channel what yeah. are your plans for it what do you what do you plan to do or how do you do you use one plan to use it to connect with other authors or with readers or both or i, I guess a little both um Last night, I recorded the, I found the, well, speaking of that, I found all this stuff really after seeing Jeff Lane's interview with you, because um, I really hadn't delved into AuthorTube, BookTube, and never even heard of those things until that, and I oh, actually wow. kind, of, kind of expanded out into that after after seeing Jeff um, talk with you guys, with you, and then, so, I mean, he's done lots of stuff recently, it seems like, but uh, um, I've known, I've known Jeff through, uh, we, we both were a part of the same audience of a podcast. I mean, the podcast still around, but um, Geek Out Loud, there's a whole bunch of other shows, but he and I have interacted on and off for, I don't know, like a decade, maybe a long time. Wow. Um, he's, he's one of the people that inspired me to want to, to write because I'm like, well, I know this guy, he can do it. I can do it. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, I know you you reviewed One Way not too long ago. I, that's my favorite of his books. I really really like that one a lot. That's fantastic. Um, I know he's got multiple one like four or five other ones. Um, but anyway, so yes, I, I'd like to talk to Jeff on here sometime as far as YouTube goes, oh, cool. I mean, since, since I'm gonna, you know acquainted with him. Um, but um, anyway, I I started recording yesterday the author tube newbie tag. I found like like 13 questions to go through, um, so I recorded that. And then I edited part of it. Like I think I'm about a third of the way through editing that. I don't know. I'm a little. I'm, I mean, I edit stuff fairly regularly, but I'm, I'm still. It, it still takes a long time. Yeah. Um, just to cut out things and add in little stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It takes a while to edit. It's. Yeah. Uh, it never seems to get that e that much easier. Uh, what was the What was the best piece of advice that Jeff gave you when you were starting to write? Hmm. I don't know. We we we've, we've messaged back and forth about it a few times over the years. Like he, like under last year during uh, when lockdown happened, you know, everything whole world shut down like a year ago, or whatever. Um, I we were we were messaging back and forth. I don't remember exactly why, but I was telling him that I was working on this book. You know, I wanted to finish this book before all this 
you know, craziness finished, um, thinking it was going to be a short amount of time, um, you know, not, not a year long, you know, a few weeks or whatever. And, uh, and so he was very encouraging with that. And then as I got closer to the end of the book, he, he was encouraging with, you know, here's some information of how to reach out to literary agents and, and things like that. Um, he sent me like a link to, I want to say there were six different websites where you could find information about different agents that, you know, that might be interested in, in your book or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, and I did use some of those resources and I did send out some letters or emails really, but I'm going to call them letters, I guess, but I didn't, I didn't get any responses. I, I, I'd honestly rather have gotten rejected than nothing. Hmm. Uh, I, I guess it wasn't worth their time to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, hey, it's fine. It is what it is. So, so what, what was it finally that made you, made you decide to go through Amazon to publish the book and not through a traditional publisher? Well, I had finished it. I finished the book like three months before I finally decided just to hit the button. And because I, I had uploaded it through Amazon to order the proof copies and edit and then did it again and did it again, you know, changed the book cover and this, that and the other. Um, and so finally I was, I was thinking the only thing that was holding me up at that point, because I'd, I'd kind of given up on the on the literary agents after not really hearing anything back. The only thing that I was really thinking about of whether or not to go ahead and publish or, or, or wait was I was considering buying some ISBNs so I could you know have my own imprint. Um, you know, and, and one thing that kind of stalled me on that is everything I came up with that I thought would be a, an interesting name was taken in some form or fashion. Um, like the the for the cover of the book this isn't a spoiler it is it does come into play in the book the cover of the book that has a green sky on it and at some point in the book there is a green sky and so i was like oh green skies press or green skies publishing or something and there is something to, i think both of those are very or something very similar to that i was like oh, well, that, i don't know and i kept coming up with different little things like that and i would look and i'm like oh and so i finally just said I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on ISBNs right now. Let's just go ahead and hit the button and make it make it live. So, Ultimately. so what is an ISBN? What what exactly is that? Or just in a just uh, the little definition. barcode number on the back. Basically, it's a unique identifier. I think it's thirteen digits long. Um, ISBNs are free if you go through the Amazon KDP, mm. um, but if you go through like the people that they recommend for you to purchase them from, I think the cheap one is like one hundred and twenty five dollars for one. And then it could, the more you get, the cheaper they become. Um, I want to say you could get like 10 of them for like 300 and something. I don't know. I think that I just didn't want to spend a lot of money right now. I mean, and even now, I mean, I haven't made much money off my book. I mean, I've sold a few copies. I've sold more than I thought I'd sell. Um, but I mean, I most, I think I've mostly broken even with what I, what I have spent. I mean, I haven't spent a lot. I didn't hire anyone to make a cover. I didn't hire a proofreader. I didn't. I didn't do a lot of the things that you could easily do and spend probably hundreds of dollars on each of those things. Uh, just I did all the things myself, so that made it free apart from time. And I've ordered some, ordered some business cards. I've ordered some stickers. I've ordered uh, some keychains. Just some random little promotional things. Um, cool. if you, like if people locally buy the book or if someone you know, orders a copy directly for me, I can send them some other little, little doodad, um, along with the, the hard copy. Um, but yeah, I think I've broke, mostly broke even, maybe made a little bit of a profit, um, overall, but. 
So what would be the, the benefit of going with your own ISBN versus a place like Amazon? Is there, what are the, what are the benefits to that? Well, with that number, you could publish the, like the hard or not the hard, I always want to say hard back, but the hard copies, like the paperback editions, um, you could publish those other places. Um, so oh, okay. if I wanted to go to, there's a bunch of different ones, like Ingram Spark, I think is one of them. And there's other ones, but if I wanted to go some other avenues, I would, I would have to buy an ISBN to do those other avenues because I can't use the Amazon ISBN on those places. Um, and then the other upside is I could say that it's published by J. Allen Tucker Books or whatever I could come up with um, instead of independently published is what it says on Amazon right now. Oh, okay. Would you be able to pull your first book and use your own ISBN now after the fact, or once you go through Amazon, is that, is that it? I think I could, if I change it, I don't think I could do exactly the same thing. Mm. I don't, I'm not sure as all the rules are, oh. but I think, I think, I think if it's different, I could, like if it was a new edition or like the expanded, you know, I don't know, the stand version where it's a thousand pages or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's something like that, I think I could, I could, uh, I could redo it basically, which it may, it may happen at some point. I don't know. You had mentioned having ideas already for the, for the third and uh, for the third book and, and beyond. Do you have uh, a number in mind for how many books you plan to take to tell the whole story? Not particularly. Um, but I guess if we have a spoiler discussion, I can say what I want to say about part of that later. But I, I, I basically just wanted, I mean, I don't know. Like I could keep going this like, and here's Silas's grandchildren or something. I, I don't know oh, that yeah. I do that specifically. Um, but I do plan to have my books connected. So if I do write other things, it would still be in the same world. Um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. I like, I like shared universes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't read a lot of Stephen King stuff. I've read a little, I'm just, I'm not a, I don't know. I used to watch a lot of horror movies when I was a kid, but I never really read a lot of horror. Um, I know he writes things that aren't horror. He writes all sorts of things, but um, I know most of his things take place around Derry, Maine or whatever, or somewhere near, you know, whatever, Maine. It's all kind of the same vibe or whatever. And they even, I think they made a TV show not too long ago where all the characters kind of cohabitate or something. I don't know, but. I, I would like something like that, I guess, over uh, over the course of many books or series or whatever happens. Okay. Other than other than our friend Jeff Lane, is there another author that you would want to sit down and have a chat with and just pick their brain? I mean, there's there's two or three I could think of off the top of my head, but they're like you know famous, and so they wouldn't talk to me. I wouldn't think. Well, if if, if you could, if any, if you could pick uh, any, any. One of my favorites uh, is Ernest Klein. I don't know if you mm -hmm. have you. Have you read the Ready Player One, Ready Player Two, Armada, those kind of things? I'm ashamed to say I haven't. <laughs> I like they're they're nerdy or geeky or whatever word you want to use to the extreme. Like it's like my book is pretty nerdy and geeky or whatever, but it it moves away from that and gets into the story. Like I don't know, there's more nostalgia at the beginning, and it gets less nostalgic as it goes. It gets more focused on what's happening. Yeah, uh, like the the Ernest Klein stuff is just overload of everything, and I love that. But I wouldn't. I don't want to write that. Um, 
that's that's but like there's another author i really like um scott meyer you familiar with him at all i've heard yeah i've heard of him he he has a few different he has one series that i'm aware of and a few other books um the one that i've gone through I'm, i just finished book five yesterday i think it was yesterday um he has a series called magic 2.0 Mm-hmm. And he's one of those kind of like, I guess, their dream scenarios as far as a, a writer goes. He self-published the first book on Amazon, and I guess there was enough buzz or sales or whatever happened. And so he got picked up by an actual publisher, and, and now he's got six of those books, and he's had, I don't know how many, several other uh, books apart from that series. But like in the Magic 2.0 series, um just a real brief summary, I guess. Uh, it's basically kind of like the Matrix. The whole world's a simulation. Hmm. And certain people figure out that it's a simulation and get into the code. And as they get into their code, they can manipulate their entry in the file. And so then they can basically give themselves immortality. You know, they can't be injured. All the, all the invincible, all the things. And they, and they can act like they have magic because they can manipulate reality. Which is hmm. pretty interesting. I, I really like those. But he's very very geeky and so he, he mentions dune a lot like he loves dune apparently and so there's lots of dune references but you know, all sorts of music all sorts of stuff like that hmm. so I, I like those a lot yeah. so and then the, another author i really enjoy and i don't think he's had that many books is uh, edward savio he's I've got heard of him. he's got a couple books out that i'm aware of maybe there's more than two but there's only two that i'm that i've taken part of um what is it called the fight for forever i think it's the series name uh it's like an immortal well they're not really immortal they're the people who live a really long time and there are very few of them in existence uh and it's it's an really interesting couple books he's working on the third book now uh so i mean those those are three that stick out to me Hmm. let's check those out i'm just my to my list of things to read like I, one thing I like with uh, Edward Savio's books, I found him because I listen to a lot of Audible, and he has w- Will Wheaton uh, narrate his books, and so I, I like Will Wheaton's narration, which he also mm-hmm. does the Ernest, Ernest Klein books, um, and the guy that does the Magic 2.0 books is fantastic. Um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but he's he's awesome. He's he may be my new favorite narrator. Oh wow. Uh, I noticed there uh, didn't see an option for audiobook for for Silas Sterling. The Not first yet. book is other plans to to do that. There is a way. Um, I think it's called ACX. There's a way for people to have audiobooks added to Amazon as like an independent person publisher or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, like I don't think I want to pay someone else to do it just because I don't want to spend a thousand dollars to do it or, or more like i mean I, I looked on like fiverr because you know people you can get people to do all sorts of things on fiverr um like that's where i got i got to do my book trailer i found a guy on, on fiverr to do that um but yeah like i, I think that the around a thousand to two thousand dollars is what seemed to be like most of the people's going rate on on that particular site for a, a audiobook of you know around fifty thousand words i mean i don't, I don't know if it's quite fifty thousand but it's in the neighborhood um so yeah, I don't, I don't foresee that anytime in the near future. And I'd, I'd like to do it myself, but I don't think I'd do a very good job. So, no, you don't think so? I don't, I don't, I don't think I would, I would do a good job. Like, 
keeping all the characters separate because I, I I wouldn't want to just read the book. I'd want to like act it out because okay. I mean that's that's my favorite part of the people who are really good like all like narrators is all the different characters. And I mean I do a lot of bad impressions, but I don't I wouldn't want to do my bad impressions for my characters. Uh, I don't know. So. Hmm. And that's pretty much what I would end up doing if I were to do it. So, well, I thought the trailer came out pretty cool. I thought it looks pretty good. I was impressed with it. Oh, thanks. Good book. Um, there's a there's a website called Mixkit. M I X K I T. Uh, I think it's .co instead of .com, but they have a free royalty free um, music and images and videos you can download hmm. to use for you know videos, YouTube, whatever. Um, so you can have background music, you can have B-roll, that kind of thing, uh, which is really awesome for free, yeah. especially, and then not to have any, you know, any claims on it or whatever. That's kind of a problem on YouTube if you have something that's copyrighted. They'll slap your hand right away. Uh, do you? How do you deal with writer's block? I quit writing. <laughs> I mean, basically, like I stopped writing for almost three years the oh, last wow. time. I, I just couldn't figure out what to do, and I just stopped. And I don't know that I wrote much of anything else in between. Um, I mean, I write things, but not like stories. Like, like I don't know how many words I write in emails every day. It's, it's quite a few, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I think I'm pretty sure there was right around a three year break from the first 60, 70% of Silas to the last 30, 40%. Yeah. Was it difficult coming back to the story and remembering all the different, you know, every, all the different plot lines and everything to reconnect them? Not, not too much. I mean, I would think about it. It wasn't that I totally abandoned it in my head. I was still trying to like, ruminate on it, whatever the word it would be, of, of trying to come up with ideas or trying to, you know, what would I do next? What, what's going to happen here? Um, I mean, it wasn't always in the forefront, but it was definitely never just completely forgotten. Yeah. And I would definitely, I would go back and reread it. And, and I also, one thing I do occasionally just to help me find errors is I'll have word read it to me, like have mm -hmm. it just speak it out. You know, it, it doesn't sound great, but I can hear it when I don't see that I missed the, you know, a little A or an AN or the, or just something small. Yeah. Is that really, really helpful? So now that you've gone through the process of having your book, your book out there and people are reading it and it, it's, it's a big accomplishment. If someone came to you now and said they want to write a book and they're asking you for advice, what advice would you give them? I mean, mostly it would be keep going. I mean, I, I honestly did kind of stop for a long time, but I didn't give up. I mean, I didn't because it'd be easy to, to give up. Um, but yeah, it does feel like an accomplishment to, to finish a book, um, and actually, you know, hit the, hit the button and publish it. I mean, yeah, it'd be cooler if it was from, you know, a publishing house, I guess, you know, uh, contract and all those things. But, um, I mean, I, I was interesting, like I don't do much Facebook anymore. I'm just not much of a fan of Facebook. I like Twitter. I like Instagram, but anyway, I posted on Facebook after about a week after the book had come out. And I was really amazed how many people that I haven't seen in 10 years, 20 years, depending on who they were, were, you know, excited and, you know, like, wow, congratulations, this is awesome, that kind of stuff. Like, um, so anyway, for the people who are writing, I actually had a friend from college 
contact me two days ago asking some some questions, which I'm like, that's awesome. I'll be glad to, to tell you whatever I can. Uh, I'm not one of those people who would want to, you know, keep my little secret of, oh, this is how I publish my book. You can't know. Like, no, like I would, I would, I don't care. I would be help, glad to help. Uh, so yeah, I sent them, I actually sent uh, her one of the, some of the links that Jeff sent me as far as agents, because that was one of the things she was really interested in. And I think she's going to send me like a copy of the, the manuscript at some point so I can like read over it. Um, so I mean, that'd be cool. So yeah, yeah I don't care. I'd, I'd be glad to help anybody I could. Oh, that's cool. And that's, I bet that was a little satisfying to have someone reach out to you and ask you, because it's, it is a big, a big accomplishment to have your book out there. And that's, so the, the fact that you're willing to help someone out is, I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, if, I'm sure it's daunting. If, if me being able to answer a couple of little questions can help them publish their book, that'd be, that'd be good. That'd be great. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm excited for them that they are going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of us had a lot of, free time the last year maybe not depends on your circumstances specifically but um like last year one of the things i I finally worked on was my book but the other thing i worked on a lot last year was my wife started doing skillshare classes and so Mm -hmm. so for i don't know how many weeks in a row like eight or nine weeks in a row we put out a skillshare class every week which is a lot of time of editing like i would i would spend hours and hours and hours editing all the little you know the different little clips of the different things um but again, we had we had a more time at home than we normally would, so we we made use of it to try to, you know, better ourselves and do something different and new and and yeah, I think that's something everybody could do, no matter what their circumstance is. They with technology these days, you can do what you want to do. I mean, I mean, there's things you shouldn't do, I guess, legally and morally or whatever. But if you want to write a book, write a book. If you want to make a comic book, make a comic book. I mean, if you want to make a toy, get a 3D printer, make some toys. I mean, cool. I mean, I don't have one of those, but you can do it. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing the stuff we can do nowadays. Yeah. Like is. YouTube. I mean, you can have, not that you will specifically, but you literally can have a worldwide audience from your, your living room or your your spare bedroom or whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. It is wild. Yeah. It is crazy. Were you a, were you a computer nerd back in the 90s? No, I mean, I didn't. I didn't actually own a computer until after I graduated college. Um, oh wow! Like we used computers in high school, but most of the time it was to play stupid games. Like we play Oregon Trail, or uh, Dino Park Tycoon, or something. Some kind of something with a dinosaur. I don't know. I remember playing Castles too. Castles, yeah. I don't it was like a, it was like Ages of Empire before Ages of Empire. Hmm. It was real, real basic. Um, but yeah, like through college, there was like uh, the computer labs on campus, and some of my roommates uh, had computers, some didn't. But yeah, I didn't actually buy one until I was out of college. Wow. Of course, that, that was kind of a different age, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't always feel like it, but it it was. But yeah, that's one of the things. Like with the book, it's nice that it's set in the '90s, because you don't have a smartphone. And, you know, Silas Sterling can't pull out a smartphone. What's this? Where's the, you know, how do I get here? Like the things that we take for granted that are still kind of amazing, but it's just, it's just a commonplace. It doesn't seem amazing anymore. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was another one of my questions I had written down is, 
is I, I noticed a lot of horror movies and suspense movies and books they take place before a lot of them take place before all that because it's it's too easy to say well they could just pick up their phone and call for help or they can just right. turn on the gps and find their way home so yeah. uh, i thought that was you see a lot more entertainment going towards i wonder if that's that's part of the reason why movies and television and books mm -hmm. are, are being based in that time period because it's too easy now to, for you to find right. your way home or to call yeah. for help absolutely i mean like my watch if i hold the button down long enough it'll call 911 <laughs> like yeah too easy right and I, I've accidentally called 911 a couple of times, but no one ever called me back. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> no one, no that's, one showed up and no one called me back. So I guess it's okay. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but, yeah. um, so what did you learn writing the first book that you're going to take and implement in the, the rest of the series? Hmm. What are some lessons you learned? Like I, I don't, I mean, I don't know specifically, honestly, top of my head. Um, I know that I can do it. So that's a, that's a good lesson. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the next book will be finished much quicker than the last. I mean, I don't think it'll take three years. I think it would, I mean, I think if I was, if I was dedicated and had like a, a carved out the time every day, I think I could probably finish a book in like three months. Probably. Oh, wow. I, re I mean, realistically, just based on the amount of time I actually spent writing and well, maybe not edit, maybe editing some, maybe four months. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I've written almost 20,000 words since I finished this, this first book. Um, and I haven't, I haven't been super consistent of like writing every day. Yeah. Um, now granted that's between two different projects and really I have a third project I've been working on too. So that's been taking some time away from that apart from just, you know, normal job things and other things. But um, I don't know. I'm, I definitely have some, I have some, a little different perspective, I guess, going into the second book, which is, which is good. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it'll be, I think it'll be easier overall. I don't, I don't know specifically what lesson that it'll, I don't know. Hmm. Well, I can tell you selfishly, I want to know what happens. So I hope that you, uh, you are done for once because <laughs> I want to read the next one. I'd, I'd like to be done this summer. I mean, the summer's not here yet. Um, so summer goes to what September. Hmm. I think that's realistic. I mean, that's five months away. That's not bad. I think I think that's a fairly realistic goal, and I think that's something I need. And maybe this is a lesson I learned from the first book. I finally gave myself a, a goal to finish the book. Um, like, okay, I'm this I'm this far into it. I'm working on it again. I need to have a date. I need to have something in mind. Okay, I need this needs to be done by such and such. And I think I'd set that to be. Um, originally I was, I was hoping like the end of October because I mean, it's tied around Halloween and okay. it got pushed into about midway of November, but had I not made a goal of October or Halloween, I wouldn't have made it in, in November. So I need to have a goal set. Like I want to have my book done by July or whatever the thing is. So, okay, if I finish it in August, great. But yeah, I think that's a lesson I learned. So yeah, need to have a goal. So if, if you finish, let, let's say you finished a book today, um, how long does a process take for you to have it? Uh, let's, if you decide to go with Amazon again for the second book, 
how long does that process take before it's available for purchase? Is that a long process when once you have the book done, or is it pretty pretty instant? It's pretty fast. Um, oh, I hit the camera. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's pretty fast once you have your stuff ready. Like as I'm writing the second book, I'm formatting it as I go. Like I have the fonts, the same fonts. I have the same like chapter headings as I have in the first book that tell you when it is and where you are, um, which I think that's helpful. I don't know that a lot of books do that, but I liked it, especially because yeah. I knew I was going to jump back and forth. And so I tried to draw attention to here's a, here's 1993 at the, or here's 1986 at the top, just to say, pay attention. We're in a different time zone. Cause that was one of the things I got from feedback of people reading it early on before I had finished, you know, completing everything that they were a little confused when what, what was happening. Like it switched from the high school to the, the sheriff and I'm like, wait, what? So, so yeah, that was one of those little things, but, but yeah, it wouldn't take long. Like at this point, I would, I mean, it would, it would take a little while. So if I finished, say if I finished writing today, I would probably let it sit there for a few days, go back and try to reread and edit some. I would order proof copies and then I'd let a few people read it. I'd read it again. And so it would, it would be at least a few weeks at the minimum. Um, but then once it was done, done within a, a day or two, it's, it, it can be oh, wow. ready to publish. I mean, it's super fast. Like the, the Kindle version gets uploaded quicker than the paperback version. Like I think it took seven or eight hours for the Kindle version and maybe 12 hours for the paperback once I actually hit the button. It wasn't, it oh, wasn't wow. long. Now, now I had also had some previous experience with Kindle KDP stuff and and I'd already made the book three times as far as the proof copies. So that also helps. It was like by the time I was ready, I knew all it was just, you know, upload this file again, upload this file again, preview it, okay, approve. I mean it was it was an easy process having done it. Um and I and that was another another reason or another person or whatever that was encouraged to finish my book. Uh, last year, I helped my wife uh, publish the second book. She's a she's a painter, and she's illustrated three children's books. Um, she hasn't written the books, but she's illustrated them. And so I helped her format the second book that she illustrated. And then I helped them set that up in Kindle, the KDP thing and all that stuff. And so I that helped being familiar with that whole process before getting to it with my book um, a lot because if you go into that cold uh, yeah i could see where that would take more time and more more effort or whatever so any plans to convert your uh your novel to a graphic novel and have your wife illustrate it um, i don't plan to do a, a novel or graphic novel of the story of silas sterling but i do plan to do silas sterling's comic book if that makes sense. Because in the first book, we I, I talk about him wanting to draw comics. He goes to art class. He's, he's an artist. Um, in the second book, where I've already written, um, he's planning some ideas for characters and a situation for, for like a comic story. Hmm. And so once I wrote that, um, I was like, well, it's super easy to do stuff. I also helped my wife do a coloring book. And a coloring book is like 30 pages. So that's about the length of a comic book. You can get 
you can, you can make the size. I can make the size the size of a comic book. So I literally can make a comic book through Amazon. And so I'm going to, I'm going to make a comic book through Amazon. I'm not sure how fantastic the artwork will be, <laughs> but uh, I, I've worked on that. I've gotten, I don't know, the cover, I mean, a basic cover, it's not finished, but like the basic idea for the cover, like the first seven or eight pages laid out in my, you know, like in Photoshop. Um, so I want, what I want to do is have, whenever the second book is published, I want to have this comic book go out at the same, same time. And then something similar when the third book goes, goes up. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. That sounds neat. Like a tie-in more than a adaptation. Yeah. Oh, wow. Looking forward to that. It'll be fun. Yeah, I think it should be cool. Yeah. And, I've, and there's another thing I've, I've, I was, I've wanted to write a novel since, since college. I wanted to do a comic book or a cartoon since I was a little kid. Yeah. And so, but again, it, it's, it's 2021. There's lots of resources you can do just about anything you want to, if you have time. And that's, that's really the biggest constraint, I guess, for most people is just the time to invest into it. Yeah. Um, but it's out, the resources are out there and I mean, it doesn't cost anything if you do it yourself to publish on, on Amazon, you just have to have the time to create whatever it is you want to create and then upload it. So, yeah. So before I let you go, I wanted to try and get into some spoiler chat. Sure. About the book. So I'll add it to the to the chapter notes, but we'll be talking some some spoilers. So uh, whoever isn't hasn't read it, go ahead and skip ahead to the end. But um, so I was I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but were there there were no local folk folklore or any crimes that you kind of pulled from to you kind of get the idea behind the curse and the the family and the and the crimes and the or even just like the haunted house or the house the mysterious house not particularly i some of that stuff like in my mind i was envisioning um the have you seen the movie fletch or fletch lives it's been a while but yeah i was kind of envisioning the like the plantation house from fletch lives that was just falling apart yeah. um just because i i like random old movies and things um, and in some ways, almost like one of the old episodes of Scooby-Doo, um, there's one where it's, it's the one that was, I, okay, so I, I watched most, or not most, maybe about half of the Supernatural show on, on CW. Um, and so I saw like the first seven or eight seasons, and I haven't seen anything since then until they made the Scooby-Doo episode or Scooby Natural or whatever they called it. And so they put Sam and Dean from that show into an old Scooby-Doo episode where there's like this, um, southern like almost like a confederate thing i don't know it was kind of random but so anyway i, I kind of envisioned like this but a combination of fletch and scooby-doo right when i envisioned this house if hmm. that makes any sense yeah it does yeah and i i did like that i think you mentioned earlier that the, the way the story really it, it it sets up a lot and it seems i don't say mundane but it seems just everyday life yeah and then it really puts the pedal to the metal at the end was that intentional to kind of have the, the story speed up and to to get the reader comfortable and to kind of get everything established and then really start unraveling the mystery i think so. yeah i mean like for well one thing originally i had the second chapter as the prologue um mm. since it happened before the rest of the events and i moved it to the second chapter because i thought it was more interesting than the regular story 
um, I really, I like the sheriff, like Sheriff Durant and that whole thing. Is, that was like my, one of my favorite parts. And I kind of, in my, in my brain there, I was kind of visioning Hopper from Stranger Things, more or less. Um, and so I moved him to the second chapter just to draw, like you said, kind of the more just here's what's going on. Here's our main guy. Yeah, it's just super nerdy. He's got posters of Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones, and he's got Nintendo powers and all these things laying around his bedroom. And, uh, but yeah, like one of my friends, I'd let him read the book before I published it. And, uh, the thing that got him was in the, I guess it was the third chapter, fourth chapter. I forget. And maybe fourth chapter is when the announcement comes that there's been a car wreck and that one of the students in the school's been killed and the other one's in the hospital. And, uh, he, he thought that was like a really powerful moment. And like, to me, some of that was really drawn from some experiences from high school. Like we had several people in our, not necessarily my class or grade or whatever, but people in our schools, things like that happened. Um, a guy died on the way to school one day and I'm pretty sure they canceled school, sent people home, uh, brought in counselors, that kind of stuff. Um, another one of my, my friends um, committed suicide my senior year in high school. Um, and I think they did something kind of like that again. So there was a few things that are kind of random, but they're kind of drawn from weird experiences in a small town, in a small high school. Um, but yeah, the action definitely moves moves along as we get, get going. Because yeah, there's not a lot of action for, for a while. I, I think I lost you when you, you started to say your friend. Uh, I called you and I, I, we, I think we lost connection or oh, something there for a um, second. So it, when I, I don't think what year this was, I think in my junior year high school, one of my classmates, a guy I knew, but I, it wasn't like a, a good friend, but he died on the way to school in a car wreck. Oh. Um, then my senior year, one of my friends who was a year, year younger than me committed suicide. And mm -hmm. so I think, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, both of those times, our school kind of shut down um, because it was like this traumatic thing that had happened, which is kind of where I got that idea from, from in the book where Beth is dead and, the other girl, um, Tracy. Tracy. Yeah, I was like blanking. Tracy is in the hospital, <laughs> and so uh, I get Tracy and Elise mixed up in my brain for some reason. Just the two of the the sisters, um, and so yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I don't know about the suicide, but I'm pretty sure with the car wreck, they. I, I'm pretty sure they canceled school and brought in, like the next day, they brought in like pastors and things from local churches to talk to people just because mm -hmm. it was a traumatic event. It is, it is pretty heavy stuff, especially that age. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There was, um, the, the God or the, um, the entity. And I, I did look it up because I was wondering if you had, and I can't pronounce the name I'm trying to find it now. Um, but I did look it up and I'm sorry. Lady who was killed. Yeah, and there is an A. It, it's it starts with an A. I think it's Apophenia. Okay, I was I didn't want to butcher the name. That was that was pronounced, like, but it means uh, something. Did you look up what it meant. Yeah, I did look it up, and I I wasn't sure if I found the wrong, if I found the wrong, uh, maybe the wrong site. But how does that fit in with the story? Because I I may have it found is, the wrong one. I think the meaning of the word should be something where as people see things like, or, or see patterns and things that aren't necessarily there. Is that kind of the definition you found? Kind of. Yeah. Um, and my thing with the book is 
the curse might be real. The curse might not be real. The people thought some people thought it was real, and that's all it took. Um, bad things happened for like 102 years or whatever the number is, mm -hmm. 104 years. I, I forget exactly, but the, the these terrible things happened because the people thought it was real, it, even if it wasn't real. And so, I I kind of like that whole idea. I know some people don't. Of at the end of the story, you find out things aren't necessarily supernatural, even they look supernatural. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm personally a fan of that and I haven't like, that's not necessarily the case here. Um, but I'm not trying to like spoil that or whatever, but I'm personally, I like that. Like, um, yeah. I don't know. Like some people hated the village, for example. Oh, I, I like the village. Oh, yeah. I, like I, I went to, to see the village with a friend and his, his girlfriend at the time. And both of them thought it was going to be a monster movie. And so when they found out it wasn't a monster movie, they were, they weren't like, I don't know if they were mad, but they were, they were disappointed because it wasn't yeah. what they expected. I'm like, well, have you seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like that it was just the people dressing up as monsters. Yeah. Like and there's a, there's a deleted scene where it wasn't the people dressing up as monsters. There really were monsters and, and that would have been cool too. But, um, but yeah, like, M. Night Shyamalan has done that a few times in his, in his movies where you, something looks supernatural, but it actually has a rational explanation. Yeah. Um, and then not to say that, that this case does, because like obviously Silas was seeing the past in his dreams. He was seeing some things in the present in his dreams. There's something is going on there outside of himself. Um, so there is some sort of premonition things happening. So there's still, so yeah. So and I'm not I'm not saying that the curse isn't real or, or not, but I, I just think, it, I think that is an interesting, you, people could see it either way, I guess. If that yeah. makes sense, and I, it, that did surprise me at the end uh, when you find out what you know where it originated and, and what these people believe, and you start to wonder. Um, there's there's a movie I don't know if you've seen it, a horror movie. Um, forget the name of it now, but at the end, um, this woman is marrying her fiance, and and they have this game oh, yeah. where they have to kill each other, or they have to kill the if you survive, you get to marry the into the family and otherwise everyone will die if, if the person this person isn't killed i forget the name of it now but i've seen the trailer for that yeah yeah but it kind of reminded me like that because you you go back and forth whether is this really happening or they do they just believe this is what's supposed to happen and so at the end i was i was surprised at the end of the book i was surprised on how you how you how you did that because i i didn't expect that i thought it was going to be uh completely supernatural or there's something like more, more. I thought it would veer towards more of a horror story and less okay. of. So I thought that did surprise me. So, well, one of the things at the end, um, have you ever watched Doctor Who? Uh, a few times. Like during the Christopher Eccleston uh, run as the Doctor, like I don't know, fifteen, sixteen years ago, there's this one episode where they time travels. I think it's around War World War Two. And there's all these kids in gas mask on. I don't know if that rings a bell on any. Anyway, so near the end of that episode, um, Christopher Eccleston says, and, you know, for just this once, everybody lives. And so that's part of the end of the story anyway. I, I was thinking about that as I was writing the end. I'm like, well, do I kill Daniel? Do, you know, does this, you know, what, what happens here? And I'm like, okay, it's the first book. Everybody lives. But only because it's the first book. Because, I mean, you know, the stakes have to be raised in some sort of a way, I guess, you know, as things move along throughout whatever happens. And so, okay, everybody lives. 
like all the bad guys live, all the good guys live. I mean, the only people who died were dead before the story started. Yeah, I, I didn't think Daniel would make it. I thought something would happen to him. He would be the. Um, he kind of set set the set the stage. I thought he. Would, I didn't think he'd make it, but yeah. it sounds well, like there's like, a. Like in that particular point, I feel like um, he should have been killed, but the guy just didn't do it. Like yeah. you know, oh, I took care of him, but he didn't actually take care of him just because he. I don't know. I don't know. Like the the people are do evil things but they think they're doing it for good reasons like most good villains like you know if you ask them like oh we're doing the right thing for our our community even though they're doing horrible things um so i don't know it's it's, it's an odd concept a little bit i think no i like it, it was good yeah. it does remind me of like I, I don't think it was too derivative of anything overall personally like i think there was definitely inspiration from here and there um there, there is an episode of Supernatural early on that I, that reminds me somewhat of what happened here, at least just a smidge. Uh, I don't remember which one specifically. There's one with a scarecrow. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know if you've ever watched that particular show, but um, there was some kind of town that, like, tourists went and got killed by a scarecrow fairly regularly, like once a year or something. That you know, and it blessed their crops or something. Oh, wow. I don't know. But huh. that, that's the one thing I could think of that is kind of similar. I don't know. I'm sure there's things out. I mean, it's not like I've read everything or seen everything. There could be lots of things similar. Um, but to my limited knowledge, I, I don't think it's too too derivative of anything. Was that something you tried to avoid of, of being derivative and, and staying away from repeating someone else's work? Was that yeah. a big concern for you? Well, I mean, I know there's some authors will be like, oh, I'm a big fan of Star Wars and I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. So I smushed them together and there's my story. Um, and that's cool if that's what you want to do. I just, I'd, I'd rather make something different than mm -hmm. just here's another version of Star Wars or here's another version. And I think that's why I don't want to do fantasy or space stuff because I feel like I would kind of rip off Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, Firefly, whatever. And same thing with fantasy. I, I'd rip off Lord of the Rings. I'd rip off the hobbit or well same difference and i don't rip off some stuff from narnia um i don't know i mean i guess everybody sort of does because tolkien was so good at it but i i don't know i don't know that i have much to offer in those types of arenas um which is i don't know they always say write what you know well i remember the 90s pretty well and what i don't remember i can google so <laughs> that helps yeah. it does help good old google yeah so um, thanks again for, for taking the time to chat. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, so I want to thank you again. And everyone, go out and pick up the book. It's available on Amazon via Kindle Unlimited, or you can buy the paper copy. I'm weird. I like, like we talked about, I like having the book and having the music in my hands and putting little tabs and everything in it. So yeah. uh, thanks again for, uh, for sitting down to chat with me for a few minutes. Sure. Thank you, Steve. Anytime. Uh, barring you know work related things. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people find out more about uh, you know your social media or? Um, there's uh, jallentucker.com, uh, author J Allen on Twitter, author J Allen Tucker on Instagram, uh, author J Allen Tucker on YouTube. I've got a couple videos up there. Should have a third one the next couple days. I don't know specifically. Probably probably by the end of this week. Um, 
I have a Goodreads page. I haven't done a whole lot with that. And I've got the Amazon author page. I don't know. There's, there's definitely a few places people can, can find out more. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks again. And congratulations on getting the book oh. out there. It's, you know, I think it's a big accomplishment getting it, getting it done. And I'm sure it's, it's a big hill to climb when you're first getting into it. So I'm glad, I, I'm glad we were able to connect and I was able to find it and read it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So thanks again for, for sitting down with me. Yes, sir. Bye, everybody.